Am I doing a cold open? Uh, yeah. Can you just like splice something from yeah. in the middle into something silly? Okay. Can you have that as the cold open? What I just said? Yeah. Cool. On this week's episode of It Doesn't Have to Be Terrible, I'm going to explore money dates, the gateway drug of having a healthy, happy relationship with money, and how my personal money dates journey has changed over time. Welcome to It Doesn't Have to Be Terrible with me, Caroline Snyder, a podcast where we explore the stories, topics, and questions that help us as individuals better understand how we impact and are impacted by the financial world around us. We're going to talk about money dates today. We are also going to be dealing with some silly construction sounds, so you may get to hear those right before we started filming some um, people who we think were the sewage and water board of the city that we live in came to the door to ask us where the water meter was, of which they are supposed to be checking monthly for our billing purposes. So we have a lot of confidence in what is happening outside. We'll see how filming goes. And we'll also see how those bills go. Maybe if they've never checked it, they've been overcharging us. Fingers crossed. Um, okay, neither here nor there. We're going to talk today about one of my favorite things in the world, which are money dates. And specifically, we're going to kind of use money dates as a way for me to share more about how to create a healthy relationship with money, and how that relationship changes over time. So first of all, money dates, in my opinion, are the gateway drug to having a healthy, fruitful relationship with your money. They are not painful, mostly. They are mostly not painful. They are short. They are bite-sized. They're easy. The side effects are mostly positive. And from this little bite-sized positive nugget, you can create the system in your life where you not only are aware of what's happening with your money, but you're excited about the things that you are doing that can impact your money, and you know what things you don't know, right? Like you know what questions you have so that you have a plan moving forward on how to get those questions answered. Okay, so fair enough. I should probably start with what a money date is. A money date is dedicated time set aside for you to work on your finances. That's it. That's all it is. Dedicated time to work on your finances. And what that looks like is going to differ from person to person um, and also differ from season to season. But no matter what, 
what I always recommend with this is that you're doing them ideally weekly. Every other week works too. Some folks even do it monthly. I would say if you're starting out, doing them weekly is really important to gain that mental muscle and emotional muscle. And then you can, once that habit is really formed, then you can choose to change the frequency based on what works best for you. Um, one reason I really like them weekly is because they can be shorter. So if I'm working with a new client and we're implementing money dates for the first time, I actually recommend starting with a weekly 15 minute period of time because 15 minutes is really fast. And if this is something that is totally new and different, it's a reasonable amount of time to just start getting used to it, right? Like I think about it like learning a new physical skill or doing some new workout. I'm not going to go from lifting zero weights ever to going to the gym and pumping that iron for like three hours straight because I would probably die. Um, but also I'd be really sore the next day and I would never want to lift weights again for the rest of my life. So many bite-sized pieces. 15 minutes to start, weekly to start. I now do weekly for about half an hour. Um, there are times where I go over that. There are times when I don't quite use the whole time, but that's what I spend or that's what I block off on my calendar so that I know that I have it. And during this time, when you're starting out, what I always recommend doing is real simple. Go through any bills you received in the mail or via email, pay what you need to pay, and then go through your transactions from your last week and look for a couple things. Look for if there's anything wrong. Like, did you get charged twice by accident from something? Is there a, a charge on there that you don't recognize at all? Is there something where you're like, oh, I thought this was going to be $20 and they charged me $50. I need to follow up on this, right? So looking through your transactions for if there's something wrong and if there are things that you need to follow up on. And then looking through your transactions with the lens of, does all of this feel good? Like, is all of this spending and all of this revenue coming in, are the amounts things that I'm comfortable with? Are the things that I'm spending on things that I feel values aligned with, that I feel excited about, that I think are moving me closer to my goals? And before getting really formal on what those goals even are and what budget you want to be adhering to or not adhering to, spending time just thinking about the like the broader picture and the gut check is really powerful. A lot of the times when looking at transactions, there are going to be categories of spending that feel surprising. They're like your blind spots is how I refer to them as. So you might be looking at it and be like, wow, I did not realize I spent that much money at the grocery store. Or like, wow, I apparently take takeout, like do takeout like three or four times a week. And because I am doing it without being really thoughtful and it's sort of like rote memory at this point, I don't realize that I'm doing that. So often starting with that gut check is a really wonderful way 
to make it feel less stressful. Like you're not looking at a spreadsheet. You're not trying to do a whole bunch of math. You're not trying to completely change your finances. All you're doing is spending a little time making sure that no one's doing something wrong, (laughs) that you're not having fraud committed against you without your knowledge, and making sure that on a really base level, you feel good about what's happening with your money. And that's it. That is money dates 101. Like, that's all it is. What I really want to spend the time today talking about is how my personal money dates journey has changed over time and evolved over time because I think this is really typical and it's something that when we're talking about money or we're talking about like goals in general, I think we can be really stagnant and we can say like, these are the things you're supposed to do, right? You're supposed to have three plus months of emergency savings. You're supposed to save for retirement. You're supposed to be investing. You're supposed to buy property. You're supposed to not spend too much money on things that are frivolous or whatever it is. We'll, by the way, talk about the word frivolous another time. Actually, I'm going to write that down. I don't want to forget. I want to talk about how my money date journey has changed over time because I think it is such a good example of how this inevitably happens And I think it is a good way of showing how using money dates as a practice and a like a muscle building exercise means that over time you can create a really positive relationship to money and one that makes you more resilient and one that makes you more prepared for life's inevitable hiccups. Um, And those stagnant things, those like big goals, none of those things I'd listed necessarily other than the frivolous one. None of those things are necessarily bad. Like it's good to have emergency savings. It is good to save for retirement. It is often good to invest. It may be good to, (laughs) clearly I'm getting less, um, emergency savings and retirement are good. Investing may or may not be good depending on your goals. Um, And buying property may or may not be good, depending on your goals. But those are those things that sort of get like, I don't know, like put on a pedestal. And while those things are not necessarily bad, and in fact, they might be good, you can't just flip the switch and all of a sudden own property, or you can't just flip the switch and all of a sudden like be on track for your retirement savings goals. You need to build up to being able to do that well. So money dates were how I did it. Money dates are how are part of the practice that I work on with clients too. We are going to 2000 and let's say like 12. I would say that's about when my money journey, my positive money journey really began. Pre 2012, I was either Um, like really head in the sand, not paying attention or had a pretty negative, toxic relationship to money. So 2012, 2000, maybe it was even a little later than that, more like 2013, 2014 is when I fully realized 
that credit card debt was really hurting me. So I was teaching this course to high school students. I was a high school teacher at the time. Um, I was teaching this course called Free Enterprise because uh, it was designed in the 1950s when we were very worried about communists. And uh, the course, a portion of it was very like personal finance literacy piece. And then a portion, portion of it was really economics. But the personal finance literacy piece, the financial literacy side of the course, made me realize what interest rates were and that credit card debt was not awesome. So in this time period, I started doing really many money dates. I don't think I was actually doing them weekly. Um, They were more sporadic than that, but they were relatively regular for someone who was coming in this like pretty blind. And during those periods of time, I was just learning. Like all I was doing was spending time learning definitions of things that I was reading on my credit card statements or on my bank portals. I was looking up like how to calculate interest over time so I could really figure out what my credit card debt was costing me. All I was doing was learning. And with that foundation, I then was able to move into a planning process of how do I get out of debt, which again, involved a lot of learning on my part. It was a lot of looking online. It was a lot of reading a lot of different um, articles. Um, I read books at this point, or I read portions of books. I doubt I read any of them in full because a lot of those finance books are pretty <clears throat> boring. Um, and through that process, I slowly whittled down my debt and figured out how to get out of it. At some point in there, the debt elimination piece became really like rote to me. It became something I didn't have to think about a whole lot. And instead, the money dates turned into really that reflection, that gut check that I was talking about earlier of looking at your recent transactions and being like, is this cool? Is this not cool? Because I realized relatively early on in my debt elimination journey that it was going to be incredibly easy to just get back into debt. Like, your habits have to change in order to get out of debt and stay out of debt. That cycle is so common for folks. The number of clients I've worked with who've had debt and who have had these cycles, um, it's like basically every client who's ever had debt has these cycles. So those money dates turned into things our time where I was able to really reflect on how I was spending money and think about how I wanted to shift things in order to be able to stay out of debt. It was also during this time that I realized that there were some things that I just really did not want to give up and that there was no way I was going to be able to make the math work on the income that I made as a high school teacher. Um, and so I decided to change my career. So this little thing on some level, right? Little, like a little piece of time 
just asking a few questions, getting a little bit of information turned into something where I had time and space to reflect enough to make a complete career shift, which is cool, right? Like it starts with this little nugget and it turns into this big thing. And sometimes it turns into not as much of a big thing. Um, But regardless, it's going to be life changing because you're in a more positive headspace with your money so that when things go awry, it's not so bad, right? Which is coming. Things are going to go awry. So I moved from this reflecting piece, this budgeting piece, this career shift into more like big picture planning. So things like making sure I was on track for retirement, investing, thinking about home ownership. Um, I was able to spend less time on the day-to-day transactions that were going on in my accounts because I had got that kind of settled and that was based on habit at that point and spend more time on the future thinking. And I would say like things were kind of like trucking along there for quite a few years. So not to say that there hadn't been big life shifts. There absolutely had. But I think the thing that really changed my money dates from sort of this like trucking along, making sure that things are going relatively the same, recalibrating slightly as things shifted, um, was getting pregnant for the first time. Because, well, one, I got pregnant um, right before the pandemic started. So I, March of 2020 was the start of my second semester or second semester, second trimester of my pregnancy. Um, so like the whole world changed, right? And my money dates went from these things where we were kind of trucking on and reca- recalibrating as needed to really focusing on budgeting and making sure that I was prepared for maternity leave and that knowing that my maternity leave was going to look wildly different than expected because of the impacts the pandemic was having on the economy as a whole, but also um, my husband's job and childcare options and where we were going to live and all of these things, right? So in some ways, it felt like those money dates in 2020 shifted back to something that looked a lot more like what it did in like 2016, 2015. Um, But it didn't feel like a like step down or step back or failure in any way. It felt like, oh yeah, my muscle, my brain, like I know how to do this. And even though things are really scary and I'm stressed and I'm scared on some level. Um, I wasn't scared of my ability to handle the situation financially because I had that practice that was so ingrained where I'd had so much practice of figuring out like, oh, something is a little off. How do I fix it? How do I explore? How do I get my questions answered? How do I implement new systems? So when something was like really off, I could use that ability, those abilities that I'd 
perfected. I don't really want to say perfected because I think it's a constant journey. But um, those practices that I had refined, let's say, over time to get through that hard period of time. And then eventually I really did shift back to the sort of like big picture recalibration mode. And then I got pregnant again and we moved and lots of things happened in our personal lives. And my reaction, because I was so stressed out Um, just for transparency's sake, I was also having some pretty severe, like postpartum anxiety. Um, and my reaction was to bury my head. I completely stopped the practice that I had had at that point for like seven, eight years of doing money dates. And I didn't do them for like don't know probably six months maybe even longer um I could look back at notes actually and really figure out how long I sort of I sort of want to know and I sort of don't want to know um because while I love my family and love my two children and love being a mother that the first six, nine months of my second kid's life was incredibly hard. Um, and I want to be honest with you about that because I'm not going to go into to details about baby or any of that. That's not the purpose of this podcast. But I want to be honest that there are times in my life where my reaction is to shut down when it comes to finances and I've got like everything going for me, right? Like it is my job to do this. And even so I can shut down about it. Um, because it's really hard. It is really hard. And the reason why I so believe in those little like bite-sized ones to start with is because it is making a really hard, big thing manageable. And even that might not be manageable all the time. And that's okay. I uh, would say I am working on giving myself grace for that. And some days are probably better than others. I have infinite grace, however, for my clients (laughs) who've had similar experiences And I have infinite grace for you if you're like, yep, been there, or yep, I'm there right now. I don't judge you in any way, shape, or form, just myself, because aren't humans cool? Okay, so I buried my head. Um, Nine months-ish, I would say I started kind of like pulling myself out of that space, Part of that, and actually a huge part of that, was that I started getting external help in ways that I hadn't had before, right? So I'd been in therapy, but I was also now getting medication. Um, There were other like interpersonal support things going on, childcare situation improved, all sorts of stuff. Um, 
And for a while, I was like going back and flexing that muscle. I would say I moved more quickly into this like bigger picture, longer term thinking phase of money dates coming back after my son was born um, because I think I'd had that practice before. So it didn't take me quite as long to restart as it did to start for the first time. And then about five months ago, um, Ben had back surgery and completely changed his career, which is why this podcast exists, <laughs> because um, it was something that I had been thinking about for ages and would like start figuring out and then would quickly realize that I don't have like any of the knowledge that one needs and then would get very overwhelmed with the idea of hiring people. Um, but his career totally changed, which meant that we completely changed what our revenue outlook was going to look like. So now in the long term, I think we're actually in a much more stable place as far as revenue is concerned as a family. But in the short term, it meant that a lot of things needed to change it really quickly and that we needed to be able to figure out as like a team what was going to change on the expense side, what was going to change on the revenue side, and how to get there. So those money dates turned into, I would say actually they're turning into something that is both very like, my first gut was to say rudiment, not rudimentary. It's like foundational on the what is happening with our money side and coupled with a piece of how are we moving forward. Um, so we're in transition right now. I'm in transition right now. And there would be times in the past before I had this really strong practice where I think I would have been really scared in this position or I think without this practice, like had I taken a different career path and not really honed in on this and not ended up getting really like into financial literacy, I don't know that this would have come naturally to me or if I would have just stumbled on it. Um, but this transition instead feels like a transition. It doesn't feel necessarily scary. I know that all of that work that I've put in over the years to really get in touch with what's happening in our finances, in my finances, and my emotional response to that means that we're able to take this kind of like big, scary, amazing leap without just freaking out, which is so cool. <laughs> like I feel very proud of myself and I feel very proud of my husband and our ability to do this together. And I know that's cheesy, but I'm kind of a cheese ball. And it's because of money dates. They're cool. I love them. Yeah, so money dates is a term. I've actually heard several other coaches use it over the year. Like, I don't think it is my term. I have no idea who started using it the first time. I think most financial coaches um, 
use the term like loosely for the same thing and probably in practice we mean like ever so slightly different things I don't think that that is terribly important I think it the important part is that it's dedicated time um but the reason why I think the terminology of date is so helpful is because it's this like sacred time where you're just focusing on one thing and it's like a date with yourself so you're having time where you're not also scrolling TikTok and you're not also talking to your mom or whatever. You're just focusing on this one other person. That one other person happens to be you and you're just focusing on the emotional and practical aspects of your money. Just like on a date, you might be talking about both practical and emotional things. Um, And money dates are things that I really recommend that if you are in a partnership of some sort, that you do them with your partner so that you're both on the same page about what's going on with your money and you have the opportunity to discuss any emotional aspects of where your money lives overlap, right? We can talk about money with partners and family, and by we can, I mean, we will talk about that more in depth in the future, but, you know, some partnerships involve complete overlap of finances, and some have very little overlap, if any, and there's no right or wrong answer, but this time set aside to have that transparent communication means that you're able to know what's going on, know when you have questions, and have time to figure that out as a team, which is incredibly important for having a healthy relationship. So uh, if you're listening to this and are like, I'm jazzed, I want to do it, I really encourage you just to take some time to schedule schedule it out in your calendar or put in a reminder on your phone or however works best for you. But, um, I mean, if it's piqued your interest, go for it. It is not so painful. And if you do a few of them and you're like, I think I need outside help, uh, reach out. That is literally my job. So you can find me on Instagram. You can find me on TikTok. You can find me on YouTube. Um, you can find me on email. It's pretty cool. It's just like old thing, old way of communicating with people. Um, you could even write me a letter. Don't do that. Things get lost in the mail. But I would love to talk to you. As always, I'm rooting for you. Have a lovely rest of your week. Bye.